I'm Samantha Bove, and this is She's Too Much. This show is for the woman who's been told that she dreams too much, talks too much, cares too much, thinks too much, feels too much, needs too much. And I say it's about damn time that we are even more. Because that thing you think makes you too much is the exact thing the world needs more of. So, welcome Raven. I'm so happy you're here. Um, Raven and I were just chatting and she actually didn't really even know why specifically I invited her on the podcast and I was just telling her that meeting her and watching the way that she moved through the space that she was in and the way that she, we were at a leadership retreat in Tulum and she was co-facilitating and this was last December, well before I launched the podcast, well before I made a lot of big decisions in my life after that retreat. And you were walking us through some exercise and the way that you commanded attention and presence with your voice specifically and did so in a way that was so still compassionate and feminine. I've like never seen a woman move through a space like that in my life. And it really made me realize as confident as I feel like I was at that point, there was a lack of embodiment specifically around my voice. I knew I had a lot to say and I knew I was a smart woman and I knew I had a lot of wisdom inside of me, but something happened when I went to actually express that. And what was happening was me actually hating the sound of my own voice and feeling like it was just so Jersey and cringy and harsh and just not eloquent and beautiful and captivating. And if it wasn't for you and the exercises that you brought us through, which I hope that we can get a glimpse in today for anyone who feels they're not comfortable using their voice and even the sound of their own voice, if it wasn't for that, I would still be working on a lot and maybe still be sitting in. I want to launch a podcast. I want to make these shifts in my business. I want to be more seen. I want to use my voice more, but there's just a block. I don't know why I can't do it. You really connected the dots for me. So number one, thank you, because truly you are like living in my everyday life and everyday expression now. Samantha, that's seriously such an amazing testimony and story And I know that everyone, including me, is curious to hear about what happened for you from that moment. Would you care to like unpack a little bit of the journey and like what changed for you with your voice after that retreat in Tulum? Totally. So I think first the awareness of, oh, wow, I never realized I actually hate the sound of my voice. It when I started to say that to people on the retreat, because you helped create such a safe space. I shared it with people and I remember specifically saying it to um, Karim and this is just this like beautiful British (laughs) gorgeous sweetheart of a man who's like a soul brother to me inside and out and I remember saying to him you know I realized I really don't like the sound of my own voice and he was shook 
he was like, wait a minute. He's like, you have like the perfect American accent. He's like, in England, they show Valley girls, California girl accents, and they show like a Jersey, New York girl as Americans. He's like, I love it. Like, I think it's so sexy. And so I started to share with people that I didn't like my voice, which when you share it with safe people, we know it evaporates that shame. And so I started to share it more and realize like, okay, what if I just believe that that for some people, my voice actually is great. For some people, it's actually really soothing and meditative or captivating and it has expression and passion in it. And I was like, okay, so if I just take all this as truth and really try to believe it, then I'm going to be more comfortable using it. And so in that moment, it was really just a decision after the awareness of, you know what, like maybe some people will actually think that my voice is kind of annoying for whatever reason, which I actually would love to talk to you about after this. But there's also going to be an equal amount of people who are into it. And honestly, if they're into my voice, they're into my message. And the people who aren't, that's okay. I am here to deliver what I have to share and the wisdom that I have with a very specific voice for a very specific reason, because it's going to bring some people comfort. It may make some people not be into it, but all of that is just part of it. And that's really, it unlocked so much. I mean, this podcast, which has really honestly transformed my relationship with myself because you have to listen to yourself. (laughs) so much more than you ever have. So I'm curious for you, why do you think so many people hate the sound of their own voice? And if you're comfortable with it, speaking specifically to women, because this is something that I hear so much. If somebody listens to their voice on a story or social media, I used to want to throw my phone. It's such a visceral reaction. So why do you think that is? That's a great question. I think the reason why a lot of people hate the sound of their own voice or are really uncomfortable with it, especially women, is because of their belief system. And that's something that you mentioned yourself. You said, I just decided to change my belief and to try on a new belief around my voice. Anything in life, that's the fundamental code that we need to address when we're dealing with insecurities or this like block to our vocal expression. Because our voice, for most of us, we equate it unconsciously with our personality and with our soul, with our with our soul, because it is the physicalization of our non-physical self. Right. You could say, yeah, but my also my arm is the physicalization of my non-physical self. Sure. Your arm is basically fixed. It's, you know, and a lot of people aren't also happy with their bodies. So the reason I'm using this analogy is because when we have a belief that we're not worthy, we're not beautiful, we're not valuable, we're not special, that will naturally just apply to our voice and our relationship with our voice until we address that core belief. Because your voice is the most intimate expression of who you are. So of course, it's the most vulnerable part of you. In many ways, your voice is a a direct connection to your heart. And a lot of us learn how to pretend with our voices. We learn how to act. We learn how to speak a certain way to please people. We learn how to not say certain things or to maintain a certain volume to be more liked, right? And so all of these behavioral attitudes, it's just like walking a different way or wearing a certain type of outfit or driving a certain type of car. They're masks. It's like a manufacturing of our identity. 
And a lot of us don't believe that who we are without masks and without those identities and performances is worthy of anything, especially love. But the paradox is that getting that naked, getting that raw, sharing yourself unfiltered from the heart out in every aspect of your being is what actually opens the door for real intimacy, real love, real connection, real opportunity. And it is simultaneously one of the scariest things that we can do. So I think a lot of people, especially women, will just cling onto the habit of believing that their voice is not perfect, worthy, valuable, et cetera, et cetera, because it's safer and it's easier. And for many people, safety and comfort and feeling like they're protected and they're not ruffling any feathers is way more important than self-expression. And it's, that's for me, that's a, wow, you know, I can understand that because I've been on both sides of that fence. Yeah. So as someone who's really a voice activator and helps people transform, or I guess I would say like transmute their challenges and their, their pain and also like their purpose and what they want to share in the world. And find a means to transmit that through art, through books, through businesses, through events and experiences. This is your job along with creating music and being a professional artist. Tell me who was Raven before she really started to use her voice and felt like very comfortable using it and then actually teaching people how to use it in ways that have allowed them to put their creative gifts out there and also have allowed them to find more pleasure, have better sex, call in better lovers. Voice to me is like the key right now. And I also think it's like totally not talked about. So tell me Raven before you're Raven right now. (laughs) That's such a cool question. I've never been asked that before and I'm excited to explore that. Before I was expressed, I felt repressed. And I say that because it was a state of being that I just walked with and I didn't necessarily see it as a negative thing. I was someone who very much valued being on time, delivering excellence, following the rules. I was very much an obedient rule following, you know, very religious. I was like, literally, I was very much obsessed in many ways with expressing like my idea of the perfection of life, holding my bed and going to the gym and getting straight A's. Like I was like, this is me expressing my fullness. So by the time I was 19 or 20, I had accomplished so much. I was such an academic, such a reader, such a writer. You know, I was a competitive bodybuilder. I started my own business doing makeup and hair, like all in my late teens, early 20s. And so at the time of life where, you know, some kids are just effing off and going and like getting high in the back alley or whatever, I was living the life of what I imagined I would be doing in my 30s. And so because I was following along with this sort of prescripted route, I wasn't paying any attention to my heart's desires, right? To the things that I would think about or like desire when I was by myself. I was a big fantasy reader growing up. I grew up on Harry Potter. Magic has always just been my way of life, my interest, like since I was a very, very little girl. So 
the realm of spirit, the realm of magic, the realm of the taboo, the realm of the mystery, the realm of things that I hadn't let myself explore because I was so straight edge and so afraid of upsetting the status quo became the focal point of my life in that second part. The after was me realizing like, oh, there's so much more to me than these accomplishments, this job, and all this success I've already created for myself. I'm 20 years old and I already want to retire. There has to be more for me in life. So there was always a seeker in me and an adventurer in me, but giving that part of me permission to actually come out and make different decisions than I thought I ever would was the turning point. And did that start with a longing or did it start with I'm burnt out and there has to be a better way to navigate my life? Oh, great question. It was, it was a double-edged sword. It was a little bit of both. I would say in my experience at the time I was burnt out. So again, like I was, you know, 19 years old, had the, the perfect boyfriend, perfect job, successful business, graduating university, like Ding, dong, dong, dong. My parents were like, yes, she's just going to go to like whatever. She can go to whatever career she wants. I was never concerned about making it in the traditional world. But I was like there again, like there has to be something more. And I didn't know what it was. I couldn't have told you anything about like conscious community or divine feminine or the expressive arts. Like none of the world that I'm in now that seems so natural and normal to me was available to me then. and so. What I did was I chose in the last semester of my undergraduate degree to go to Edinburgh and finish my education there. And this was a big deal because I had never left home before. I had never left the country by myself. It was just like a radical departure. And I was like, it's under the umbrella of school. It's safe. I'm not just effing off and doing some random rebel stuff. This is for school, right? And when I was there... I was far enough away from my old life that the yearning really kept in. And I was like, oh my God, where am I? What is this magical place? What am I feeling? What are these new desires? All of that. And I spent six months, you know, basically alone in that country, just walking and listening and thinking and writing. And and when I came back after six months in 2014, that was when things really started for me. So the key here to me, okay, somebody's listening to this and they're like, there's got to be more right now. Like I'm checking the boxes. I have a job. I do my workouts. You know, I, I either see these people who are fully expressed. I want a piece of that. Or there's just something in me that I know that there is more for me. That I know there's more to speak, to say, to express. I know there's deeper levels of love and friendship and pleasure. What you said, I so believe, which is you got far enough away from your your life and the familiar to make space for that longing to really have a voice. And I think that people have an obsession with crowdsourcing right now with, you know, because of texting and social and all these things, we have access to so many people's opinions, people in our lives and strangers. And also like we're consistently turning to people that we know who are going to selfishly and unconsciously keep us in a similar state to where we are to make them 
very comfortable because they like us how we are and who we evolve into when we start to use our voice and we start to really go after our longings is scary to them, just like it's scary to us. And so I think that what you said is so key and for people who can't pick up and move to Scotland, which is so funny because I've actually been there and it's so magical and mystical and fairy-like, then like, what would you suggest for them? How can they create that space in their life to really connect with their longings and what's on their heart? Well, speaking from my experience, it was very difficult to come out of, let's call it the closet, the closet of expression, because, you know, like I said, I was living with my parents and they arguably have extremely different worldviews than me. And so there was many facets of my expression that physically couldn't exist in the same environment. And I think for a lot of people who feel trapped in similar relationships, living situations or work situations, you have to ask yourself, how long are you willing to actually stay in the same state? And you have to take your power back and understand that like, it's up to you to change that. And I've worked with a lot of people who will come to me and essentially they'll be complaining and like looking for a way out of a situation and, and being so afraid to step on other people's toes, so afraid for to be rejected or to have to let go of certain relationships. And, and I can tell you that that's probably one of the hardest aspects to this. And that's why I want to speak to it. And the reason why I think it's so challenging is because when you start listening to your own voice, you are turning around to everybody else and saying, you are not my guidance system. You are not my guidance system. You are not my guidance system. You are not God. You are not God. You are not God. Like My guidance system is inside of me in that place that no one can touch. No one can take. And my connection from that place to whatever created me or whatever is watching me or has my back or whatever I choose to believe is the place from which the power of my voice comes. And it is infinite, infinite times more powerful than the diluted expression of me following everybody else's opinions and using them to substitute for my own guided system. And that is why an, a, an activated voice is so terrifying to so many people, because it is an empowered person who's using it. And it's a person who is not allowing their mind to be controlled by anybody else. And this is, again, like where some of the deepest, most challenging conflicts can come in for people, whether they have to stand up to an entire congregation, to an entire industry whether they have to leave a marriage, whether they have to change their country of origin, like there has to be, it gets to be some physical manifestation of the change you make when you choose your voice. Because you wouldn't have that yearning if it wasn't asking you to discover more. We are expanding beings. We're here to grow. Learning is a natural part of it. We don't have to try to learn. We just are always learning. And our perfect expression, like you were saying, has medicine. It has a gift for life, for whoever it is that might cross our path that day. And I believe that the systems that we're born into and the belief systems that we outsource our power to scare us into believing that we don't have impact and that we could get taken out by any moment, at any moment, by any random thing. Living in that state of fear 
is what keeps your voice shut down, period. And so the decision is, how long am I going to live in this fear? Am I going to let myself explore what it might be to live in a world where I love and choose myself and I follow my inner guidance system and I trust the desires of my heart and see where they lead me? So it's a big step for all of us to take, but it's a choice we all get to make. So beautiful. So this is, this would be like step one (laughs) is like, what does it actually mean to listen to your inner guidance system? And then we move into the expression of that, right? And for everybody, that timeline of just stopping outsourcing, stopping turning to everybody else, stopping letting the fear of being canceled, being isolated, all of these things, like the shoe's going to drop, everything's going to go bad if I start to express myself in the smallest of ways, deciding that that's not the belief system that you're going to live in, to me then goes to the next level of this, which is living a creatively expressed life. And so we were chatting right before this. So she lives in LA. I was living in LA. I lived in California for five years. I grew up in Jersey. And just a few months ago, I'm back on the East Coast. And I feel so much more free to express myself in like my emotions. I'd be talking with both of my hands, but I'm holding a dog in one hand. And my loudness and my laugh, everything just feels a little bit more able to be expressed on the East Coast for whatever reason. And combined with this work that I, that Raven has literally started without knowing. But so creativity in the sense of speaking and laughing and, you know, really allowing yourself to use your voice in all of the ways, but then also a creatively expressed life in the sense of singing and writing poetry and writing and dancing. And so talk to me about how creativity has an impact in your life and what it like really means to you to be a creatively expressed person. Creativity is my life. It's my, it is my way of being. It's the truest thing I have to an identity is being a creator. And I know that I'm, I'm rare for some people to meet because I'm so confident in that. And because I have such an embodiment of it. And I think that I truly was born with the gift of artistry. And I truly like came into this planet knowing that I had the capacity to deliver beautiful creations into this world. But that doesn't mean that like it was always easy for me. Like I said, because of of the belief systems I had when I was a teenager, even though I was talented as a singer, a dancer, and a writer, I was never satisfied by those activities in the way that I am today. And the reason for that is because now, having lived my life and gone through experiences and said yes to the mystery, I actually have accessed a depth of emotion and range that has allowed me to feel like a truly original artist at this stage in the game. And, you know, I'm 31 in just a few day, few weeks, actually. My birthday is October 16th. Yay, spooky season. And I feel more youthful, vibrant, alive than I ever have because I'm not afraid of my own expression anymore. And so, like you said, creativity has like these two different facets. There's just the natural inherent creativity that we have as humans, which enables us to create our lives, create meals, create conversations, create situations, the the basic element of creation of life. And, And a lot of us hold ourselves back from being expressed there. 
We do what everyone says we're going to do. We get the job everyone says they're going to say. We say all the nice things to our partner just so they'll feel good, but we don't really express how we honestly feel like this kind of cookie cutter life. It's just using a tiny fraction of our creativity. So first of all, for me, I'm like, I live a free sovereign life. I haven't worked for the man in 20 years. I'm not interested in ever doing it again. There is so much in me that wants to be born and I'm not going to leave this planet until I'm done. Like, you know, and of course we never know when that time is, but what I'm trying to communicate is the passion that I feel because I think to me being creative is about being passionate. And a lot of us don't really like connect to our passion or, or understand what it is or how to use it. And our passion to me is like best expressed when we marry it with our devotion. And so in addition to being creative, I'm also extremely spiritual. I'm also very connected to the non-physical, the divinity in me and in all of us. And so my the way I move in the world is blending those two, passion and devotion. And I always like to say passion rises and devotion roots. And so because I walk with that kind of energy, everything that I make feels meaningful. Even if I'm just doing like a little scrap collage at the kitchen table or, you know, I sketch or I just have a little five minute dance in my living room. Everything feels meaningful because I myself am choosing a life where I am a vessel. I'm a vessel for creativity to pour through. I feel most comfortable when I'm making art and I equate making art to meditation. I equate making art to not thinking or to making love. These instinctual, natural, primal ways of being are what I lean into as often as I can. Because as I mentioned before, I'm very intellectual, very heady. My psychic senses are extremely high. Like I have a lot of visionary capacity constantly pulsing through me. So if I don't ground myself in the tangibles of, of expressing my creativity, I can get very lost and very sick. And so to me, creativity equals vitality. It's like, we mu I must be creating to stay alive. That's why I'm here. So it touches everything that I do and everything. I so you really see it as a pillar of your health is to uh, be creating. Yes, a thousand percent. Yeah. Agreed. I absolutely agree. I feel like I've gone through periods of my life where this, <laughs> I wish I could figure out a better way to say this, but it's so accurate. I felt so creatively constipated and I could feel it in my body as if it was like constipation, bloated, heavy. And like that there is so much divinity that wants to be moved through me. And I'm not allowing it to because I'm scared because I'm not making the space, mostly fear. So you said something here around because of your range and because what that means to me is you're willing to go there with your emotions and with your life and your expression because of your range that has created this depth within you of, of emotion and of feeling you feel when you create art, it is inherently unique, valuable, beautiful. Tell me about that. What does that mean? Because for a lot of people who I work with, and I know who listen to the podcast, one of the reasons why they don't create is because they think they're not artists. They think they aren't good writers. I lived with that belief 
for my entire life up until two years ago when I decided to accept someone's compliment that I'm a good writer. I told myself up until that point, I suck at writing. And so I think so many people don't start because they think it's not going to be unique. It's not going to be good. And so talk to me about what depth and range exploration, how that's helped you get over that that block if there ever even was one. The sentiment that I'm not an artist, so what I do doesn't matter or what I do isn't going to be good is something that I encounter so much in others. And it makes me really sad. But I also understand because like we talked about earlier, most of our world and society is conditioned to see certain things as valuable and certain things as not valuable. A woman in hysteria, you know, in the middle of the city in, you know, Manhattan might not be seen as like a valuable artist in the in the throes of transformation. She's going to be seen as a nut job who needs to be locked up maybe, right? And so I would just invite people to ask, like, what do you actually believe about art? What are your thoughts about it? What do you believe about it? Journal about that. Art is useless. Art is worthless. Like you probably, if you think that about your own art, you probably think that about all art. And maybe, yeah, you can say, no, no, like I, I enjoy, I appreciate other people's art, but I'm, I'm not good. I'm not this. It's like, why do you, again, like, why are you considering that good? Based on what? Whose guidance system are you following to make that judgment on yourself or on anyone else and their art? Because your judgment system, your belief system is what's going to determine your experience of the thing. So if every time someone invites you to make art, you're feeling like, oh, no, eh, uh, retract, contract, repression. Suddenly you're feeling an icky belly. You're feeling like you're not so great. You're feeling like maybe you're going to go home and binge something later because suddenly you don't like anything about the situation and you just want to go home. Right. Okay. Wow. Look at that. Like, actually, look at that. Why do you feel that way? Who told you that you sucked? right? When did you tell yourself that? And what do you actually want to believe? Like, what would you prefer? You know, one of my teachers taught me this key. It's not love or hate. It's not good or bad. It's like, what do you prefer? So maybe you're like, okay, you know, maybe I actually, I don't actually know what good art is. And I'm embarrassed about that. And so I put myself in the bad art category because I don't want anyone to think that I don't know what I'm talking about. That's one of a myriad of examples, right? But what I want to strip it down to is this, like, why do humans make art? Why do we even do it? We do it to express what's going on inside. It's pretty obvious that all humans, with some rare exceptions, experience the same emotional range. Heartbreak, grief, loss, death, anger, joy, you name it right? We all have access to that for the most part with some exceptions. For those of us who have access to that, I would then ask you to look at which, which colors on that palette do you avoid using? Are you over there with your little yellow crayon paint, drawing the same happy sun in the same corner of the same notebook every single day because mommy said that's what makes you a good girl? Is that what you're doing? What about black? What about gray? What about brown? What about zigzags? What about drawing on the table itself? What about melting your crayons and turning them into paint? 
What about cutting them up into tiny little bits and using them as shavings over like a glue drawing? There are so many ways to use the raw material of emotion. There's so many ways to use the raw materials of life. And when we put ourselves in a little box, label it good, bad, right or wrong, we are missing the point of being alive, in my humble opinion. Okay? Because I'm not here to check boxes or become somebody's trophy or so that, you know, or do anything in particular so that anybody else can go to their grave happy. That's not my responsibility. It's impossible. I will never please everybody. I will never make art that everybody loves. I will never be everybody's favorite. And a lot of us are so scared to admit that. We're so scared to admit that we are not everybody's cup of tea, as my friend Gerard Adams, our mutual friend Gerard Adams always says, right? We're not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. That's okay. So starting to really own that and look at like, why have I lumped myself in with all of these negative emotions and experiences? What does artistry really mean to me? What do I want it to mean? And how am I just going to start allowing myself to think in that direction? That's all. Just start to think in that direction and see what happens. Absolutely. One of my favorite minutes on the podcast. If I was listening to this, I would be replaying and rewinding. Really, it's, it is gospel. And what's coming up for me here is so many people prevent themselves from creating. And this is creating anything. It doesn't have, I, it's, I, you know, still not at a place where I, feel comfortable like drawing. It's not my mode of expression. I'd rather like write a song or poetry or collage or whatever, or work on this podcast. That is art. And that's the point too, is like, it doesn't, your creative expression, however you express it is art. And we need to get out of this. It's honestly a habit where we jump to what are people going to think of this? What is this going to provide for me in terms of finance or recognition or access to community or status? Stop jumping there and allow your art and your expression to lead you to all of these amazing opportunities. Raven, just by your embodiment, I know the people that you work with. These are big players in the world. And I see your Instagram, like you're not promoting yourself as this person is who's going to help you write a New York Times bestselling book, but that's what you're doing because you are living as an artist. And it's incredible. Do your art, create your art, work on your things just to have a form of expression because when we express that, we learn more about ourselves and then we feel more confident and more embodied because we're like, oh my God, I'm willing to see the depths of my soul. I'm willing to say that's not gross, that's not scary and I get to walk through life like this now and have more joy, more access to pleasure in every area. So you are just... I love it. Okay. So when you were explaining, am I going to just paint my happy little son or am I going to mash the crayons up and I'm going to like throw the shavings up in the air? All I could think about was sex. (laughs) So let's talk about sex (laughs) because your take on voice and sex and pleasure is revolutionary to me. And Mm -hmm. As I start, you asked in the beginning of this, like, how has my relationship with my voice changed since I started to acknowledge, oh, I want to build a better relationship with my voice and I'm going to do things like launch a podcast kind of forced me to build that relationship with myself. 
And with that, pretty simultaneously, like right after I called in this, you know, uh, let's call him a partner at the time, who was the first person that I used my voice with in a sensual sexual space. And when I say use my voice, I don't mean like dirty talk. I mean, like I allowed myself to moan, to cry, to laugh, to growl, to be in the throes of my pleasure as it relates to my voice. And that allowed me to access states of pleasure, one piece of it that I never even knew could be humanly possible. So Let's talk about voice and sex. Where do we start? Why important? Talk to me about voice and sex. Where where do you want to start? Because I got questions. Well, I think when you're sharing that, it makes me so happy and excited because I feel like you are probably understanding the thing that I have taken a lot of pleasure in for a while now, which is like how powerful our voice is as a tool for a turn on. It's like, the difference between not using your voice and using your voice in sex is like awkwardly getting like a dry sandpapery hand job to like, you know, having the most delicious experience of your life for like hours and hours and hours. It's like, it's night and day for me. And I, I truly like what candidly wants to come through is that in in my personal sexual history, like it's been a repeat occurrence for partners to be like, oh my God, the sounds that you make drive me insane. And I just, I gotta laugh because it's like, it's just my pure natural expression. And like laughing because I've gotten the same exact thing. And you know, it's genuine because they're just, right? just so taken aback and like just like shook right and because because why because it's so rare to meet somebody who is able to be that naked with themselves from the inside out and to let you in on what's going on that's intimacy if i if you if you you know if we're doing the thing and you get an elbow in my rib and i go oh you're gonna know oh something's off but, you know, if we're and I'm just like, oh, oh, and like that kind of thing is all you're hearing. You're going to have a very different experience. We can guide our partners with our voices. We create a dance when we use our voice. And I can tell you from the other side as well. And I'd be curious of your experience. In one of my most recent partnerships, I was encouraging my partner who is male to use his voice more because I was just like. On the other side, I'm like, what is he? How is he feeling? What is he wanting? How did, right? Like, I'm looking for feedback. We are such feedback beings. Like, we need to know what's going on for us to feel confident and present. You know, when when he started to open up and let his sounds out, I was like a million times more turned on instantly. And this was someone I like deeply love and care about. And so it's just, it's biological, it's chemical, it's spiritual, it's vibrational. It's a superpower and it's a super hack to have the intimacy that we want. So I was with someone for many years who was so quiet, truly so quiet. And because of that, I felt like I really wasn't in the space where I could express myself. And I convinced myself that if I actually had a partner that was vocal, 
especially a male partner because of all of the labels that we put on them to be these stoic stones of humans. And then that's the same reason why we're so upset with them because we don't allow them to express themselves and it grosses us out. I convinced myself that if I had a loud partner or somebody who was just more vocal in bed, it would gross me out. You know, that would like weird me out if he was like making noises or like moaning or something. I will let you know it's not true. Having a partner, whatever gender, is who can express themselves, even just in their breath and hearing them breathe is so hot and beautiful. And I honestly feel like my voice is and our voice together is a third entity that basically helps to activate and to accelerate and to intensify all of the pleasure. And I actually, I, I'm going to quote you. So in another podcast that you were on, you said, what if your voice was your primary sexual organ and you led with your sound and let sex emerge from there? And so this is something I've been thinking about a lot since I heard that. And I think for people who are like, okay, you guys are convincing me that you're having this amazing sex because you're using your voice and you're allowing yourself to moan exactly in the way that you want to. And I think we could talk even more about like, what does that actually mean to like, really use your voice in that way to amplify your pleasure. But I've been thinking about this a lot just before I engage in actual like sexual activity, penetration or not, let's say, how am I just on the regular engaging with my voice in a way that's expressing pleasure or discomfort in my size and in my oh, my giddiness and just allowing myself to be like, "Ah, I'm so excited or whatever that is. And that has helped me so much when I'm actually in a sexual container to feel comfortable, allowing all of that to bubble up when I'm in an intimate space. So tell me a little bit more about what I quoted as your voice being your sexual organ and let and leading with your sound and letting sex emerge from that place. You know, I think it comes definitely getting to what do you want? Do you want the happy little son in the corner? Do you want that relationship where you're a Barbie doll and you go through certain rotations and the end? Or do you want a sexual romantic life that's dynamic and real and raw and meaningful and emotional and powerful? A lot of people are scared, right, of those realms. And that's why, you know, for myself, discernment is so important. And I think learning to use your voice as your primary sexual organ, it starts way beyond the bedroom, like you were saying. You know, life is sex. Life is an erotic experience where we're consorting with the divine. And the only way that life can know what to give us more of is by us genuinely expressing how we feel. You know, and this is why if you are somebody who denies yourself the full expression of your pain or your pleasure you're going to probably constantly feel like you're not getting what you want. And it's frustrating. And let's just talk about sexual frustration, right? It stems from not getting what we want. Well, why aren't you getting what you want? Because you're probably not being honest about it to the deepest level with yourself. And you're probably not sharing that honesty moment by moment in such a way that everything around you could start to become part of your team to help you get that. And so A very important mindset that I would love to offer people here is pronoia or this concept like things are working out in your favor. 
And I know a lot of people in the spiritual community throw this around and I want to have it from an integrated perspective. Like, let's say you start expressing yourself when you're dating somebody and you start to really express your displeasure at certain things, you know, you, whatever. And then that, that person, you know, gets really angry and offended and storms off and doesn't talk to you again. That's a possibility. But if you can see that that instance was actually clearing that person out of your life so that someone else could come in who's actually there for what you just expressed, who is actually wants to hear what you don't like so that they can bring more of your desire to fruition, then it becomes part of the game, part of the master plan. And you can move forward in life with more confidence every time you do that. So a lot of people will start to use their voice to express their pain, their pleasure, their desires, or their dislikes. They get shut down or they face one opposing voice and then they go right back in the shell and they never try again. The key to this is to do it consistently. When you wake up in the morning, sound out how you feel. If it's, uh, it's, uh. but the point is, this is the key. The more that you bring the inside outside, the more you can become aware of where you are the block to your own pleasure, of where you are the block to receiving the gifts of your own pain. If you keep it inside and you never go into how you really feel about things and experience all the contradictory emotions, all the things that are both and, all the things that you're like, but I feel this way, but I also feel this way. All of that is a color. Right? Once you, if you don't do that, and you're having sex with somebody and you're stiff as a board and you're not expressing anything and you're feeling frustrated, like how can that person ever give you what you want? How can that relationship ever give you want if you're not bringing it from the inside outside? If you're not showing who you really are, it's, it's impossible to demand or expect that. Of and that's why you are responsible for your sexual satisfaction. You are responsible for your emotional satisfaction. There is always going to be a way for you to get your needs in your deepest desires. You have to be okay with not being everybody's cup of tea. And you have to be okay with being your primary partner first. It has to be satisfying enough for you simply to express how you feel that you don't need anything more. From there, the great sex happens. If you're like, you know what? I feel like fucking bawling my eyes out. And if this motherfucker leaves right now, then good. I'm going to be happier that I cried than whether or not this person stayed. For me, this is when this really started to land. I, I would be just as happy if I said my piece right now and walked away than if I ever saw this person again. When your expression becomes more important to you than what others expect of you, then you've hit the job. That's just so good. It is, and it's loving yourself and caring about yourself enough to consistently show up in that way. Keep doing it. And honestly, I, what Raven is saying right now, like you're in a situation, you're in a relationship, you're in a partnership, new, old, stop blaming yourself for being weird or making weird noises or being too emotional or feeling you're asking for too much or the things that you're asking for are weird. Things like, you know, asking for pleasure in any way. That is your birthright. That is your that is keep asking. And if they keep showing you that they can't hold that or they're not willing to explore within themselves why it makes them so uncomfortable to see your emotions, because that just means they're not comfortable seeing their emotions, 
they're not the person for you. There has to be a willingness on the other person's side to explore why they're unable to meet your needs and to hold you in that way. And, you know, this is the hard part of the fun of using your voice is like, I consistently used my voice in my last relationship before this one that we talked about for three years in a like sexual space. And for three years, those needs didn't get met. And I saw I had visions in Reiki sessions of the sex and the relationship and the ecstasy that I could have. And I knew that I deserved that. And I knew that I had access to that pleasure. But if you want to engage in that in a partnership, you need somebody who's willing to meet you. And so if it takes you three years, I hope it doesn't. But keep asking because there's going to be one day that you ask. There's going to be one day that you use your voice and you get a no or you get a shutdown or you get anger and you realize, huh. I would rather be in relationship with that woman alone, that person alone who's willing to ask for it and wait patiently and faithfully for a person who you don't even have to ask with your voice. Raven says you just lead with a moan or with a sigh and they know exactly where to go on your body. They know exactly where to hold you, how to hold you, with what speed, with what touch. And that is available to you. Like we promise it may take a minute, but it's available. Absolutely. Yeah. Just get, start to get satisfied with your own self-expression. Start to make that your primary sexual practice. And it's uncomfortable. I'm telling you, like there are some days where I won't, like I'll talk all day. I'll have conversations, I'll have client meetings, but I haven't expressed all day. You know what I mean? Okay. And I'll come into my room at the end of the day and I'm safe. You know, I'm in my safe room, in my safe house, and you know, and I, I'll be seized up. I'll be like, like, there's a part of me that feels like I can't express that. And I want to address specifically ambitious, like entrepreneurial people, especially women. This is a huge thing to watch out for that. We don't let our belief that our productivity is more important than our pleasure stop us from giving that pleasure space just as much time in our day as we do our our careers. It's so important to get a little wild at the end of the day. It's so important to like to get silly, to do something different, to break the mold, to like, like let your day out, you know, to make sounds, to sigh, like somatically, physically, this helps your nervous system. And by God, our nervous systems need all the help that they can get in this world. Okay. Who out here is feeling a little fried? That was me like two weeks ago. I'm like, I need to lay in bed for six hours right now. This is all I'm doing. I'm breathing slowly, you know? So when you start to become the master of your own pleasure and and so attuned to what is wanting to be expressed in your body, the relationship you have with yourself will become so satisfying that when you do choose to engage with anybody sexually, and I say this with, with love, is like you will blow them out of the water. You will blow their minds. Like, like that, that being like a mind-blowing lover, being somebody who's unforgettable, being somebody who's so like, wow, you know, it's not like a reserve for a special few people. It comes from rawness, depth, vulnerability, and confidence in your own expression. And that confidence, like we said, can be learned. It can be practiced. It can grow. You can develop it. 
six months from now, three months from now, three years from now, you can look back on this moment and, and see, like, wow, I'm different. I used to be so afraid to express myself. Now I'm moaning, groaning, whining, screaming, wheeling, dealing, all this. You know, look at me. I'm a jukebox, right? I always joke that I'm like, I'm like a jukebox, right? You put a situation in and emotion comes out. It's like, and don't be afraid by your emotions. These are colors in your palette. And I keep using this analogy because it's like, I want you guys to start thinking like your life is art. There's no right or wrong. And you can use whatever color is inspiring you at that moment. As long as your intention is not to harm anybody, right? Including and especially yourself. And that you don't expect other people to fix it or heal it or make it go away for you. Oh my God. So good. So good. I mean, and as hard as it can be, I think when you're in the situation where you're, you're engaging with the world, like you're putting your work out on social or you are engaging in partnership or you're just deciding like, you know, the next time I go out dancing with my girlfriends, I'm going to dance the way I want to (laughs) dance. I'm going to move the way I really want to move, not the way that I think is going to look hot or like fit in with everyone else. As hard as it could be to get to that place of expression, it's actually not that that complicated to like, you know, touch your neck and just make some sounds. It's really not. It's not that complicated to just add sound to your size. It's really quite easy, but it really is completely life-changing in every area of your life. And I'm just so grateful that you have devoted your life really to teaching people these pretty simple tools that radically change the way that they express themselves in the world. And I just think it's phenomenal. I'm so glad, Sam. It makes me so, so happy that you have been touched and transformed. And and thank you for allowing me to share more of what I'm passionate about with your amazing audience. I'm so grateful to everyone for listening and tuning into this conversation as well. Um, wrapping it up a bit, what parts of yourself do you feel like are still too much that you're still working on integrating? What a great question. Well, the journey that I described at the beginning of this conversation where, you know, I was straight A in every way and then had to break out and sort of leave my my roots and my upbringing and, and do things my own way, it, it still is a challenge that continues to this day. And now I'm you know, about to be publishing my music and I've started performing it live. And this is my first real original album, my first real original sound and lyrics and the things that I really want to be saying. And I've worked my ass off to get here, you know, and and who I am and what the art I make is infused with so much love and intention and prayer and you name it. And yet, you know, the people who are very close to me from my roots don't like it. You know, I had a I had a show last Friday and I received like a very disturbed message from one of my family members who was like, you're so dark. What are you doing? Why are you singing about these things? This is so disturbing to me. And, you know, it hurts, you know, like it, it hurts. It's it's sad. It saddens me um, to be misunderstood. And I think that when you express yourself in any way, whether it's authentic or not, you run the risk of being misunderstood. And I just spent so much of my life hiding the fullness of my artistry because I was already so misunderstood just by being who I am. 
But now the pleasure that I find and the satisfaction and the spiritual fulfillment I find in, in going there and bringing out the original things, the triggering things, the things that make me me is so much greater. Like the pleasure I feel in that is so much greater than the pressure or the fear that I feel to conform to what somebody else wants for me to be singing or wearing or, you know, doing. And this last, this last Friday, you know, the end of September, 2023, this was the first time I really, really felt calm about it. I was like, you know, I'm too much for this person. I always have been too much for this person and I can't change that. I'm not going to, but I was diluting myself before I was very much, well, I'll just wait until I'm older. I'll just wait until I have this type of success or I'll just wait until I appear likable enough in these ways so that if I do that, it will be okay. Cause it'll just be like one little part of me. No, all of me is welcome here. All of me is sacred. All of me is lovable. All of me is worthy. And I have let other people's belief systems squash that voice in me for so long. And I will never do it again because no one gets to decide who I am. No one gets to decide if my art is good or bad. It doesn't even fit in that judgment system. I don't even fit in that judgment system. So going forward, I feel like I'm going to continue to be too much for a lot of people. And I'm probably going to have to learn to face greater and greater criticism and, you know, thoughtless, mindless words from people who are not connected uh, to me or to their hearts in that way. And it makes me nervous. You know, it makes me nervous in, in many ways because like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little girl, like I'm a little kid, like I've got, I have feelings you know, and I appear like very strong, but I also grieve a lot and I'm very sensitive to my effect on the room. And so to be so accepted at this point in my life, like there's that experience, but on the other hand, I feel so accepted by so many people in my life, yourself included, who are moved and touched by me and have their lives changed by things I've said that I don't even remember. Like I can't ignore that. Like I can't ignore the impact of my expression and I bow to it because it is from God. It is holy. It's who I am. And I don't think myself, yourself, or anybody should ever dim their light because they're too much. If you know somebody else thinks that they're too much. Shine, baby. You just I feel like you are the voice of my soul. <laughs> I really, really, really do. Oh. I can't wait to hear your album. I'm so excited. And I'm honestly like, wanting to wrap this up just so that we have like five minutes to talk. So I, I can hear more. <laughs> I love you. I and love I'm you. so grateful. And how can people connect with you? What's the best way? And I'll put it in the show notes too. Amazing. So you can connect with me on Instagram. Easiest, quickest, simplest platform. Raven.royce. And uh, ravenroyce.com is under construction at the moment. I'm sure by the time most of you listen to this, there'll be something up on there. But you can just search my name anywhere on the internet. I'm active on Instagram. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. Anything that touched you from this podcast today, you're welcome to share on your stories or to myself or Samantha, tag us. Like We'd love to be in the conversation with you. And I also want to let y'all know that my course, Voice Codes, is in production as well. And pretty soon it's also going to be live on the internet. So if you want to go deeper into the alchemy and the artistry of using your voice as a master tool for reprogramming your reality, I've put my life's teachings into this course and it's going to be incredible. So... Stay tuned on my platforms for the drop of that as well. And thanks for having me again, girl. I really, really had fun today. 
Oh my God, thank you. Absolutely. Bye, everybody.